Blog Talk Radio. everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is June the 1st, 2018, and I know I'm starting my program one hour late. Um, hope you are bearing with me. Uh, it was my son's uh, graduation, our youngest son, and so um, certain priorities have to be uh, taken first, and first things first always works for me, but it is great to join you. I hope you're all uh, having a great day. Hope you've had a great week. Uh, always good to catch up with you at the end of the week to try to figure out what in the world has been going on. And boy, there's no shortage of stuff to talk about, uh, especially where immigration is concerned. Uh, it, you know, and, and again, I, I thank you for joining me. And if you're familiar with me, you know that I'm a retired senior special agent with what used to be the Immigration and Naturalization Service, the old INS. Of course, that agency was sliced diced uh, and put back together again, uh, kind of like Humpty Dumpty, to create the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, I came to call it the Department of Homeland Surrender. The way it was put together made it impossible, virtually impossible, for America to secure its borders, enforce its immigration laws. Not just my conjecture. Uh, in fact, that was a statement made um, 44 months after 9-11 by John Hostetler, who at the time was the Republican chairman of the House Immigration Subcommittee. And, and John was quite frustrated because the way DHS was put together by the Bush administration uh, was a nightmare. And he made the point that the Homeland Security Act, the enabling legislation behind the creation of the Department of Homeland Security, rather than emphasize immigration law enforcement, which was essentially what the 9-11 Commission talked about. Uh, again, if you're familiar with me, you know that I provided testimony not only to the 9-11 Commission, uh, but before a bunch of congressional hearings in the House and Senate. And the number one vulnerability that the terrorists who attacked us on 9-11 exploited were vulnerabilities within the immigration system, and not just the 9-11 hijackers. The 9-11 Commission looked at a total of 94 terrorists who operated in the United States in the decade leading up to 9-11, and found that at least 59 of those 94, two-thirds roughly, had committed immigration and or visa fraud. In fact, I would argue they all did, because when they were admitted into the United States, and just about all of them came through the international airport, so we've got to focus them on the Mexican border. We've got to get it secured. I agree. But if all we do is the Mexican border, we will not be making ourselves any more secure than we are now, maybe worse. We need to understand interior enforcement. We need to understand the visa process. All of those elements are critical. You know, if you have a boat with a bunch of holes in it, even if you plug all of the holes but one, that boat is going to wind up on the bottom of the lake. And here, all that Congress seems to want to do is plug one, maybe two holes, kind of, sort of, a little bit, because the goal, folks, is not to secure the borders or enforce the immigration laws. Uh, has not been for decades. Both parties are equally responsible. Let's get it clear. So 
um, you know, understand what this is about. And that's what my program is about, to try to provide you the truth and the perspectives that you're not going to get from the mainstream media and you're not going to get from Congress. You know, here's how I want you to, to look at the immigration system. Maybe this is going to sound a little bit wacky, but, but think about this. Let me start out by telling you that the statements that we constantly hear that the immigration system is broken is a lie. The immigration system is not broken. It is the most efficient and effective delivery system in the entire federal government. Let me repeat that. The immigration system is not only not broken, but it is the most efficient delivery system in the federal government, this side of UPS and FedEx. And what does it deliver? An unlimited supply of foreign bloitable workers, a nearly inexhaustible supply of foreign students, an endless supply of foreign tourists, and let's not leave the lawyers out and how many members of Congress are attorneys, folks. The so-called broken immigration system guarantees job security for immigration lawyers they provide these aliens provide a limitless caravan if you will of clientele for immigration attorneys they the attorneys do not want the status quo to stop if anything they want to speed it up they know there's a solution to the immigration problems anybody who understands the system knows that this is a solvable problem. Not rocket science, folks. It's not being solved because the people at the top of the food chain don't want the problem to end. They are feeding at the trough. It doesn't matter to them that thousands of innocent people are being killed every year by gangs, by drunk drivers, by criminal aliens. They don't it doesn't matter one crumb to them. This is okay because they are making out literally like bandits. Just stop and think about it. Do you really believe that a country that more than 40 years ago repeatedly sent astronauts to the moon and returned every single astronaut back to the Earth safely is incapable of securing its borders? Have you ever heard any politician say there are too many people who have driver's licenses and cell phones, we can't do anything about texting while driving? Of course not. There are more people with driver's licenses and cell phones than there are illegal aliens in the United States. And forget that 11 million figure, by the way. It's probably 30 or 40 million by now. But think of how many people have driver's licenses and cell phones. But yet, where immigration is concerned, what are we told? Oh, we can't arrest them all. So we have to give them lawful status. And the Republicans run around and they say, you know what? We're not going to give them citizenship. We're going to put them on the back of the line. And the Democrats say, oh, that's not compassionate. They need a path to citizenship. So that becomes the fake fight that has everyone's attention. Citizenship, no citizenship. Citizenship, no citizenship. It doesn't matter. The damage is done by giving lawful status to illegal aliens who sneak into the country. We can't verify their identities, 
and we don't know how long they've been here. This is the problem with DACA also. All the news media says, oh, these, came, these people came as children. Not necessarily. They have to claim that they came as children. But you don't think people lie? Of course they do. They have to claim they came before their 16th birthday, but if this judge in California has his way and they restart DACA, aliens who are close to 37 years of age could participate. Because the age cutoff that Obama established back in 2012 was age 31, not a child. See, this has all been a scam. Immigration is a scam. It's con artistry at its worst. This is worse than the bank that tells you they offer you a product, and we all know that three-card Monty is not a product. The system isn't broken. The aliens who participate in DACA don't necessarily have to be children. Some of them are, and some of them are wonderful kids, and some of them are caught up in a terrible set of circumstances. And my heart goes out to them. I met some of them. And they seem like decent, wonderful young boy, young men and young women. But listen, we don't know how many aliens are involved. We know nothing about many of their backgrounds. Members of MS-13 have been part of the DACA program. And when you dare to make these statements, you're accused of being mean-spirited. I'll tell you what's mean-spirited. Mean-spirited is what Nancy Pelosi had to say when she attacked President Trump. And it wasn't that she was being mean against the president. Who cares? He's a politician. Donald Trump has hard skin. He's a tough New Yorker. I'm not losing sleep over Donald Trump being upset. What upsets me is that Nancy Pelosi has made it abundantly clear that she stands with dirtbag gang members who kill children. That's what infuriates me. Think back just a couple of weeks ago when the president called members of MS-13 animals. And, oh, my God, everybody went bananas. You can't say they're animals. It's not nice. It's not fair. And on and on and on. And Chuck Schumer immediately ran to the cameras. Boy, oh, boy, in Washington, the most dangerous place you can be is to get between Chuck and a camera. And Chuck took to the airways and said, my grandparents came here from another country, and they're not animals. How dare the president call them animals? He didn't. Now, what's so bizarre, this wasn't some closed-door session where no one knows what he really said. He said it, and the video cameras were rolling. Two weeks ago, I was on NRA TV. We were talking about it. And the host on the program um, ran the tape and there was the president saying you know the members of ms-13 are are animals well it took a day or two and the president pushed back because he's a tough new yorker he's not a wimp and the media said well we kind of got it wrong no they didn't get it wrong they lied through their damn teeth and chuck schumer knew enough to just kind of disappear just kind of went missing in action Who steps up to the plate even after the media made it clear that they had gotten it wrong? Our good friend Nancy Pelosi, former Speaker of the House of Representatives. There's a spark of divinity in those members of the gangs. These are children and on and on. And this isn't fair. And we support them. And Support what? MS-13 has its origins in Los Angeles and El Salvador. 
Many of these gang members are aliens. They're from El Salvador, Guatemala, Mexico predominantly, but predominantly El Salvador, which is where they started, plus California. And I began investigating MS-13 roughly 25 years ago. Small problem, small problem, highly violent. And they were at war with another group way back when called Salvadorans with Pride. So they were going after each other, and the police were trying to referee the bloodbath. I know. I rode with the cops. I made arrests with the police. Uh, and this is when I, shortly after I became part of the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force. They were selling drugs, not huge quantities, but enough that they could sustain their criminal enterprises. They were mowing lawns during the day. They were bagging groceries in the local supermarkets during the day. And at night, they went out with their gang members, and they recruited. And how did they recruit? Well, you know, everyone always kind of teases about Jehovah's Witness knocking on the door and handing out Bibles. They weren't knocking on doors and handing out Bibles. Their motto is kill, rape, control. And who are they killing, and who are they raping, and who are they controlling? Almost invariably, it's members of the ethnic immigrant Latino community. Some of the people, people, children who were attacked have been as young as eight years of age. Eight years of age. How seriously attacked are these people? Well, they're killed. They're beheaded. In one case, the heart of one of the victims was ripped out of his chest and dumped into a grave. This is depravity on a scale that is right up there with ISIS. I wonder if Nancy would say that ISIS had the spark of divinity also. Maybe Al-Qaeda. Perhaps Muhammad Atta, the ringleader of 9-11. Maybe we shouldn't say that he was a, 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 use the language you want. I'm I'm trying to spare you the words that come to mind. In fact, if you remember, six months after 9-11, I testified about how Muhammad Atta and another one of those terrorist pieces of garbage, uh, Marwan al-Shehi, had uh, been given authorization to attend flight school six months after the attacks. They took airliners with people in it and used them as cruise missiles. Does it get more violent than that? No. Is it wrong to call them animals, savages? Well, maybe animals is wrong. Animals only kill for survival, either to eat or defend themselves. These pieces of trash kill for sport, kill to intimidate, and kill to control. This is a level of malevolence that takes my breath away. And there is Nancy Pelosi ranting and raving and raving and ranting off the deep end, demanding that this stop. You can't call MS-13 animals. Folks, I don't know what to say. This has left me so stupefied, I will probably be scratching my head for the next year trying to figure out what kind of sawdust inhabits Nancy Pelosi's skull. She absolutely flunks the wiggle test. You know, you stick your left finger in your left ear, you stick your right finger in your right ear, you wiggle your fingertips. If they touch, you flunk. But you see, this goes even beyond stupid. This really tells you where Nancy Pelosi stands. She doesn't care about those children who are being raped and killed. I don't think she could care less. All she cares about is a political agenda and rhetoric that confounds any honest conversation about immigration. The other side is too busy trying to define who we are. If you dare suggest that we secure America's borders, 
not seal them, secure them. Big difference. We're not saying weld the door shut and don't let anybody in. Not at all. We are saying that given the way that the drugs and the gangs and the criminals and the terrorists and workers, by the way, who take the jobs of Americans, given how all of these folks are coming across the border, we need to be careful. We need to be careful. You know, when the police have a problem where there's a a fugitive on the run, the police will warn the residents of a town. Folks, lock your doors and windows. We're looking for this guy. He just shot three people. We don't want him getting into your house. Lock your doors and windows. That's fair. We've seen terror attacks all over the world. We've seen drugs flowing into America with drug gang members flowing into America. And Nancy Pelosi will not secure that Mexican border, will not enforce the immigration laws, accuses immigration agents of being cowards and terrorists and all kinds of nasty things. Unbelievable. Uh, It angers me. I was an immigration agent for 30 years. I've had friends badly hurt on the job. Some of them wound up in wheelchairs. Immigration agents are law enforcement officers who are charged with enforcing the immigration laws that have nothing to do with race or religion or ethnicity. It's about keeping out aliens who have dangerous communicable diseases, aliens who are severely mentally ill, aliens who are criminals, you know, bank robbers, rapists, muggers, uh, arsonists, car thieves, gun runners, criminals, uh, aliens who are spies or terrorists or human rights violators or war criminals or fugitives from justice or aliens who have been previously deported, and then we get to aliens who would likely become a public charge or aliens who have no permission to work, they did work and they might be working, then they are likely to supplant an American worker in the United States. That's what the laws are about. And Nancy Pelosi comes along and starts ranting and raving about MS-13 and how unfair it is to them. Does she care what happens to those children? There have been a series of hearings held on Long Island and Washington, and I'm certainly familiar with Long Island. That's where I was investigating MS-13 25 years ago. Peter King, congressman from New York, equated their conduct with terrorist organizations, and that's a fair equation. Killing and raping and intimidating, crimes of violence, cutting people's heads off, setting fire to people. And Donald Trump is a no BS kind of guy, comes out there and says, they're animals. And Nancy Pelosi goes bats, goes flipping bats. Oh, you can't say that. Why not? If you want to think about the language that's being used, maybe that's really what we need to to have a little discussion about, folks. It's language. It's about the word alien, which, by the way, under the law, simply means any person not a citizen or national of the United States. Why are we allowing the Associated Press and other censoring organizations, because their style book, the Associated Press style book, is the standard, as they will tell you, in newsrooms and classrooms and boardrooms across the country. So when they modify language, everyone marches lockstep. Associated Press won't use the word illegal alien. Why not? Why not? You know, a number of years ago, two years ago, I guess it was, at the end of the summer, very remarkable story on the local radio here in New York, 
Um, it was kind of funny. I was taking a shower, trying to figure out what the traffic and weather were going to be like. I was heading out to do some stuff that day. And there was a story, day after Labor Day, how in, I believe it was New Jersey, they shut down the beaches because the lifeguards were no longer on duty. And out of a concern about public safety, big signs were posted at the beach saying, don't swim. Lifeguards are not here. Swimming is illegal. Come back on Memorial Day weekend when the lifeguards will be back and it will be safe for you to swim. Well, needless to say, some kids saw the sign. They saw it as a dare. They jumped the fence and went swimming. And guess how the local CBS radio affiliate described those kids? They called them illegal swimmers. Now, wait a minute. If you can be an illegal swimmer, then boys and girls, you can be an illegal alien. The word illegal is simply an accurate word. And when people want the immigration laws enforced, and I don't know how so many Americans have allowed their opponents to get away with with these cheap shots, they will say, oh, you're anti-immigrant, you're a xenophobe. My favorite, by the way, is nativist, because you want to call me a nativist, I plead guilty. My understanding of the term nativist is that you believe that the citizens of a country, the people who are there, need to be protected by the government before you protect other people who come in afterwards. So who do you protect if there's a fire, God forbid? Do you round up all the children of your neighbors, or do you get your own children out of the building first? This is a rocket science. This is a rocket science. If you're a nativist and believe that we give first opportunities to citizens of the United States, and if that makes you a nativist, sign me up for a double helping. If you look at the poverty in America's minority communities, especially black and Latino communities, the violence, poverty, problems finding work, a whole laundry list of problems, and we can get into that and why and how and so forth, but the point is, that if you're forcing Americans to compete with foreign workers, you're going to displace Americans, you're going to drive down the wages, and I want to see those American kids and those American families doing well before we worry about what other families around the world are doing. I mean, look, if I had a magic wand, I would like to make everybody well. If you gave me a choice of winning a $10 million lottery or giving me a magic wand where I could drive by hospitals, wave the wand, and send everybody home well and happy... I'll take the magic wand. I'll tell you right now, the older you get, the more you know what's really important. But here what we're talking about um, is that you have people like Pelosi who don't care about the plight of the average American. So instead of saying, well, let's take care of Americans first, they want to take care of gang members before they take care of innocent victims. If that doesn't chill you, if that doesn't make the hair on your neck stand up or your head want to explode, what does? What does? Why would you stick up for violent, murderous gang members before you stick up for their victims? And by the way, their victims very often are here illegally or they're here legally as immigrants. So you have people who fled the violence of El Salvador and Guatemala and the poverty and and they're happy to be in America and they turn around and they find MS-13 has come over with them and other such terrorist groups, and they are terrorist groups. Pelosi, speaking of terrorist groups, went to Mexico City just a couple of months after 9-11, 
and said that immigration agents were committing acts of terror against the immigrant communities in the United States. Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, accusing immigration law enforcement of being terrorists. Do you wonder why assaults on immigration agents have more than doubled in the past couple of years? These assaults on law enforcement, going back to President Obama, is not without consequences. I just saw a statistic that said that since the beginning of this year, and we're only into May, we're not even at the halfway point, 28 law enforcement officers have been killed in the United States. 28. Unbelievable. And how did it happen? When you have politicians vilifying law enforcement and giving them a wink-wink, hey, it's okay, these are bad people, they've got badges, this is what happens. Listen to the, 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 the lunacy that we're dealing with, folks. We have a real problem with K2, which is synthetic marijuana. We have a real big problem with opiate overdoses. Never seen so many overdoses. Not everyone who uses marijuana will go on to use cocaine or heroin. But virtually everyone who uses cocaine and heroin started with marijuana. So increasingly, what are we doing? We're legalizing marijuana around the United States. And in New York, Mayor de Blasio has said that it seems as though when white people are stopped for smoking a joint in public, they get a ticket, a desk appearance ticket, a summons, in other words. But when the person that gets stopped is black or Latino, they get arrested. If that's true, it's dead wrong. There needs to be equal protection under the law. I'll be the first one to say it. If somehow, and I don't know this is true, I'm just going by what's reported in the news, and you know how reliable that is, right? (laughs) Give me a break. Uh, I I don't even know that I want to listen to the weather reports anymore or the traffic reports. Uh, You know, they're not to be trusted. I mean, isn't this sad and pathetic? We used to look at our newscasters and and see in them that integrity, that rock-solid integrity. And I know some of my conservative friends, and, I, and, I, and they are my friends. I'm not saying it the way the politicians do. I'm not, I'm not a cretin. But I have friends who are conservatives, and they know I'm pretty liberal on a lot of issues. And we're Americans, and we're great friends. And that's what America is supposed to be about, a dialogue. We can disagree. It's okay. It's called the First Amendment, for God's sakes. But, um, you know, so everyone is all out of joint about what language to use and and, and that kind of business of so the conservatives will, will take one position on the issues. I take another position. But that's normal. Normal doesn't exist anymore. Today, normal is if you dare raise your hand and say, I disagree with you, you're the enemy. Look at the, the safe spaces on college campuses and the indoctrination on college campuses. This isn't what America used to be or is supposed to be. The journalists used to tell the truth, not so much anymore. So we have journalists you know, coming up with these news reports, making all these, these statements, and you really have a problem knowing what's true and what's false. Who can I believe? Uh, there's such an erosion of trust in America. We don't trust the politicians, certainly not. We don't trust the media. Where do we go from here? This, this dysfunctional situation that seems to have permeated at this great nation. So you have journalists making statements that nobody believes, and no one even knows what the truth is anymore. But the language 
is wherein lies the biggest problems. Control of language leads to control of thought. They've been writing about this forever. It's of great concern. It should be of great concern to everybody. Because suddenly, words like alien have been expunged from the vernacular. If you dare suggest that we secure our borders, you're labeled. And it has consequences because it engenders hostility, sometimes violence. Sometimes violence. We need to go back to basics, and as Americans, we need to push back. We need to push back against the media that won't tell the truth. Reach out to those editors and say to them, listen, we're not buying what you're peddling. You want to see your newspaper fold? Keep doing it. No one's going to buy your garbage. The only reason I buy the newspaper is to wrap dead fish, not to read anything, because I don't trust you. Hasn't that happened in the mainstream media on television and radio? And we can change the dynamic, but we have to become activists and get involved and get our voices heard. And we need to push back. When people say to me, well, Mr. Cutler, you're anti-immigrant, I say, no, I'm pro-enforcement. Nancy Pelosi is not pro-immigrant. She's an anarchist. And what, what they're doing with this use of language, everyone's an immigrant, it discredits the true immigrants. People who came to America legally did everything they were supposed to do. They followed the letter of the law. They followed the spirit of the law. And when they say, oh, I'm an immigrant, people look at them sideways and say, oh, my God, another one that ran the border. No, baloney. But this is the damage that's being done by the media, by the politicians, by Nancy Pelosi, by all these people that get up there, make these crazy false statements. But they used to say the immigrants don't commit crime. They used to say that. They commit less crime than Americans. I'll tell you a funny story. Actual resident aliens, aliens with green cards, tend to be far more law-abiding than anybody else. don't know if you know it, but that is the case. Because they don't want to lose their green cards. They don't want to lose their shot, perhaps it's citizenship. They take it seriously because it took them years to acquire that lawful status, and God knows how much money they shelled over to the lawyers. So they don't want to do anything to endanger that green card that they're so proud of, and good for them. My mother was just like that. My mom came here from Poland ahead of the Holocaust. She loved America like you have no idea. But illegal aliens are not the same as immigrants. In fact, if you go to my article at Front Page Magazine, what you're going to see is that a recent study showed that 94% of all foreign-born criminals in the jails came here illegally to start with, 94%. So what the immigration anarchists, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and Harry Reid and Menendez and all these others, John McCain, oh, these are wonderful people. Well, wait a moment. The resident aliens tend to be, sure. The illegal aliens aren't, but they have so muddied the waters. So the excuse they could use is what we were talking about, immigrants. No more. No more. Nancy Pelosi, even after the news essentially issued a retraction about their statements about what the president supposedly had said, calling MS-13 animals, stood there and said, I don't care. I'm standing with them, and the president shouldn't be using that kind of language. You think Roseanne Barr is a, con- is a, um, um, a controversial figure? 
Roseanne Barr is nothing compared to Nancy Pelosi. For Nancy Pelosi to make it clear that she stands with the criminals and not with their victims, I have to tell you, folks, it took my breath away. It took my breath away. Does she really think she's going to win the election? If she wins her re-election, she will be proving that the people who vote in her district are brain dead. They have flatline EEGs. Lights are on. Nobody's home. And I'm not being partisan. I'm a registered Democrat. My heart aches for the old Democrat party that I used to be proud to be a part of. I'm a Democrat because I'm a labor guy. And I understand that people who are Republicans tend to be business owners. And both sides of that equation have valid concerns. We're not enemies, folks. You know, the military leaders have the soldiers, you know, the grunts, as the the infantry calls themselves. They're on the same team. You know, the generals see things from a different vantage point than the private, but they work as a team. They're trying to get a common job done. The Republicans used to be the party of the guy that had the business or the gal that had the business, and the Democrats represented working Americans. And I side with working Americans. That's just who I am. My dad was a construction worker. He will always be my biggest hero. He was a tradesman. The Democratic Party turned its back on the American worker. They don't care about American workers. They want to replace Americans with foreign workers. And they're doing one hell of a job. One hell of a job. So, you know, you have Nancy Pelosi saying these outrageous things. You have the entire Democratic Party. The wheels came off their wagon. And who are we left to vote for? Who in the world represents the average American? Whether it's the small business owner or, or, or the guy that's a, a member of a union or not even a member of a union, but, but punches a time clock every day. Or school teachers or civil servants. They have a job to do. They want to do it. It used to be the Democratic Party stood with the workers. And there's no nirvana to be found on either side of that equation. You know, it's kind of like a divorce. There's three sides to the story, his, hers, and the truth. Same thing with labor management. But my tendency, my tendency is to side with labor. That's where my heart is. The Democrats don't care, not even a little bit. Jeff Sessions is far more concerned with the average working American than the Democratic Party is. The Democrats have betrayed their base. They've betrayed the working Americans that used to see in the Democratic Party a party that had their back. Now if they have your back, look out, because there's probably a knife in their hand. And Nancy Pelosi made that abundantly clear when she stood up and said, you should not be calling members of MS-13 animals. Could she have been any clearer? And what's so crazy about all of this is that our government is not doing what it needs to do, to protect America and Americans and the jobs of Americans because they have been bought and paid for by politicians or they are immigration lawyers and want the status quo. Both parties have that problem, folks. Parties have that problem. And, in fact, I'm working on another article for Front Page about how State Department's is changing one of the visas without law to justify it. When you see this story, I think your head's going to explode. So the State Department is now working against the law itself to help bring in more foreign workers. 
when does it end? When does this come to a screeching stop so that we can go back to looking out for each other as Americans? Because right now that's not happening. Right now we are so divided and people have been so conned that they automatically presume that if you support President Trump, you're a monster, you're an ogre, you don't care, you're a racist, all these crazy words. Think of of, of Hillary's basket of deplorables. We're not baskets of deplorables if we want to keep gang members out of the country. We don't belong a seat in the basket of deplorables if we don't want to see children beheaded and raped and recruited into violent gangs where they are then coerced into committing unspeakable crimes. We're not part of that basket of deplorables if we turn around and say, boy, this isn't a very good time or a very good idea to be legalizing pot. Because all you're going to do <clears throat> is give drugs more of a sense of legitimacy in the eyes of too many Americans, particularly young Americans, and how many more lives can we screw up with narcotics? Why would we do that? Why on earth would we do that? And if you want to go full circle, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about another article I wrote for Front Page Magazine about Iranian sleeper cells operating in the United States. And the way that the sleepers finance themselves very often is with drug sales. They affiliate themselves with criminal activity, especially in Latin America. Well, guess what? That U.S.-Mexican border is wide open. Drugs are flowing more freely in the streets of America today than at any time that I can remember. More people are overdosing on heroin and fentanyl and K2 and all these other poisons than we've ever seen. And instead of being adult about it, you have mayors saying, well, we don't need immigration laws and we don't need marijuana laws. Folks, this is anarchy. This is anarchy. If it's accurate that American white people are not getting arrested in New York for smoking marijuana in public and blacks are, the solution is that the police department needs to stop treating white people and black people differently. If I was the mayor, I would say, I don't care what the person's ethnicity, race, religion, skin color, it doesn't matter. If they're caught smoking pot, arrest them. That's the proper message. Not because I'm a mean guy, but who needs what's going on right now? People driving under the influence of pot, very dangerous. People that are getting screwed up because they're getting hooked on pot and other drugs, big problem. Lots of lives being lost to synthetic marijuana. If people weren't smoking pot, they wouldn't have to worry about synthetic pot. Just go down the list go down the list, and then what politician is standing with us and what politician isn't? I could tell you that anybody who truly believes that MS-13 shouldn't be described as being animals, savages, cretins, sociopaths, what do you want me to use? What language would you like to use to describe them? How do you describe people who attack, kill, rape, and behead Children, teenagers, possibly get worse than that. And that's all the president was saying. 
But I guarantee you most Americans focused on the initial report where the president was misquoted, where Schumer quickly went to the cameras to create the false impression that the president was including all immigrants when he said they're animals, not at all what he said, and the list goes on. And and that's why I'm so adamant about this. What I want all of you to do is to think about ways to push back. Never allow your adversary to define who you are. I guarantee you, if you do that, you're going to lose the debate. I used to debate back in high school and college. Before I became an immigration agent, I had thought of teaching debate on the college level. Let me tell you, you cannot win a debate when your opponent is able to define you or control the language of the debate. I insist on using the word alien. It's legal. It's in the law. It's a clear meaning. There's nothing insulting about it. Alien is part of the DREAM Act, alien minors. Not a bad word. It's only bad if you're a swindler and you're trying to paint a very false and misleading picture. Jimmy Carter started it, and we need to push back. If you want our borders secure, you're not anti-immigrant, but you are pro-enforcement. If somebody doesn't want the laws enforced and the borders secured, they're not pro-immigrant. They are immigration anarchists. Let's get comfortable with using the terms that are accurate, fact-based, and descriptive. People that want anarchy are anarchists. It is anarchy to ignore the difference between lawful immigrants and illegal aliens. Why in the world bother with a lawful system if it doesn't matter how you come here? You know, the analogy that I like to use is imagine driving from New York to to Washington, D.C., a trip I take frequently, and you get to the Jersey Turnpike and they give you a choice, cash or easy pass. Imagine if they opened up a third lane that said free, no speed limit. What nimrod in in, in what... (laughs) situation would say, oh, gee, I'm going to wait online to pay a toll when all they have to do is move to the next lane, and it's no speed limit and no toll. That's what we've done with illegal immigration in the United States, and it's not a formality. It's about keeping out the criminals and the terrorists and the fugitives and the gangbangers. If an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, if you can keep the bad guy out in the first place, If you can keep that bad guy out in the first place, then you can keep that bad guy from doing bad things. That's what this is about, folks. But you would never know it to listen to Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer. This is the narrative that they have created, and they're lying through their teeth. And by the way, the fake argument about whether or not to give citizenship to an illegal alien if we're going to process them for some sort of an amnesty, all that these aliens have to do, folks, is get married and their American citizen spouse or their lawful immigrant spouse files a petition for them, and they then become eligible for a green card. And if they're married to an American, three years later, they become eligible for U.S. citizenship. So what happened to this fake argument about whether or not we're going to give citizenship to the aliens who get lawful status because of DACA or some similar program. It's all fake. It's all make-believe. It's all about creating illusions. 
Is anybody talking about this on television? Is anybody questioning the integrity of these politicians about the issue of citizenship? You know, I was watching during the last election, Hannity would get these politicians on with one of these pollsters, and the lines are going up and down, and it looked like either a seismograph or an EKG. I wasn't sure which. It looked so scientific with the graphs. It's all a lot of nonsense as far as I'm concerned. You know, I like Hannity's position on a lot of issues, don't get me wrong. But these pollsters, to my thinking, ridiculous. But in any event, the pollster comes on, and some politician comes on, and the politician says, I'm putting those immigrants in the back of the line if they're here undocumented. What do you mean they're here undocumented? They're here illegally. They're here in violation of law. Back of what line? For popcorn? For candy? For ice cream? Back of the line. And everybody claps. And the pollster says, oh, the poll showed that 88% of the people in the studio audience liked the idea of putting them on the back of the line, whatever the number was. Back of what line? These are phrases that people grab onto because they want to believe that they're hearing what they want to hear. It becomes a raw shock. I was just speaking to someone from a think tank yesterday, and she said, oh, those bloggers do a great job on those websites. And I said, what's their background? What's their background? Well, they're Americans. They're entitled to an opinion. Of course they are. Of course they are. But if, God forbid, you're seriously sick, you don't go to some guy who mows lawns for, for a business and ask him how to treat the illness you have. You go to a doctor, a surgeon, whatever. We go to experts for advice. What we have today are a bunch of bloggers who know less than nothing about topics and they're spewing their foolishness all over the social media. I love that term, social media. Does it help anybody to understand the issue? Of course it doesn't. It might be good for the ego of the person who's getting quoted. Maybe the newspaper is getting ratings because some schmoes want to see what this guy thinks. If you're not an expert, I don't care what you think. don't care. I don't care. I am tired of the talking heads. I am tired of watching debates on television where they bring in radio talk show hosts and pollsters and political consultants to tell people how to resolve the immigration issue. They don't know. This is just filler. This is just filler. Please don't insult our intelligence. If you want to know how to fix the broken so-called immigration system you need immigration agents to tell you and precious few programs are willing to bring in an agent to actually tell you how to fix the broken system because that's not what they want if you have a a network that has a a, um, multilingual subsidiaries they don't want to lose their audience There are so many factors at stake here. But increasingly what we've been witnessing in the United States is this push for globalism. We've seen it around the world. And guess what's starting to happen, folks? And this is where the open borders anarchists are fools. Pendulums swing both ways. And the pendulum can only go so far to the left before I fear it goes too far to the right 
extremism as reactionaries doesn't end well. That's how the Holocaust happened. The Weimar regime was totally ineffectual in Germany. Between the Weimar regime and the Treaty of Versailles, which ended the Second World War, the Germans came back literally with a vengeance. In fact, the V-1 and V-2 rockets that they used to rain terror down on Great Britain, the V-1 was a sort of cruise missile with a jet engine. The V-2 was a ballistic missile. And a variation of the V-2, for those of you familiar with aeronautics, aviation, the space age, the V-2 was the rocket that became the Redstone rocket that was used to launch Alan Shepard and Gus Grissom and, and other um, it was used for the space program um, programs. In fact, the Jupiter rocket that launched Explorer 1 on January 31st, 1958, was a variation of the V-2. And why did they call it the V-2? The V-1 and the V-2 were vengeance weapons. That's what the Germans called them, vengeance. And how did that happen? Well, bad government, pendulum swings too far in the other direction, and you're off to the races. That's the last thing I want to see happen in America. People that interfere with freedom of speech, who try to shut down debate, folks, they're playing with fire. I had the great privilege of, of speaking with General Paul Vallely. Paul has become a good friend. I've been to his home in Montana. He arranged a speaking event. He was a two-star general in the United States Army. I said, you know, Paul, I would love to see Memorial Day become a day of national debate and discourse. That, to me, is the best way to honor the incredible sacrifices of Americans who have gone to the armed services. First Amendment is first because it's primary. Freedom of speech, freedom to seek redress or grievance, the right for peaceable assemblage, First Amendment. Wouldn't it be wonderful Instead of barbecues and car races and linen sales, if we came somehow to associate Memorial Day, the day that we thank those who made the supreme sacrifice, wouldn't it be wonderful if we turned that day into a day of debate and discourse so all sorts of perspectives can be debated and people could understand who we all are Yes, I really believe this. In my travels around the United States, I don't care about even political orientation. With minor exceptions as Americans, we are far more similar than we are dissimilar. That's what really should be the focus of much of our attention. Not how are we different, but how are we the same. What are our common goals? What are our common fears? What are our common concerns? And if you sit down, as I have, with people all over the United States, and you draw up a list of common concerns and common goals, it would be very hard, if not impossible, to figure out if the person who wrote it is black, white, purple, has yellow polka dots, or green stripes. Because all Americans essentially want the same things. And what do we want? We want the military to keep America's enemies as far from our shores as possible. We want law enforcement to keep our streets safe. 
We want the schools to educate our children. And we want to know that any American, irrespective of the superficial issues of race, religion, or ethnicity, any American can write the next great American success story if that American can get an education, work hard, study hard, and benefit from a little bit of good luck, just thrown in for good measure. Anyone in America can write the next success story. That's what we want and the safety and security that our government should provide. It's as reasonable as it gets. This identity politics lunacy has divided America up, not unlike a Tower of Babel, and we can stop this. We can stop it by pushing back. When people use those terrible terms, make it clear to them that you won't accept that. And if you alienate some friends and they don't want to talk to you anymore, they'll come around. And if they don't, do you really need them as friends? And what I'm referring to now are people who are so narrow-minded that they will insult you before they listen to you. That's not really a friend. True friends sit together and have conversations, and they should be candid and open and honest and fair. And if you could have that kind of a debate, and I encourage everyone to do this, then the narrative changes. It will change slowly, but inexorably. We got into this mess through a changing of language, which led to a changing of perceptions. Let's put that genie back in the bottle, and let's move, let's move the debate and the honesty of the debate back to where it belongs. We need integrity in America, folks. And if we're not going to get it from our political quote-unquote leaders, then we ourselves can get the job done by making certain that the politicians listen to us and come to understand that we're not as stupid as they hope that we are. That's something that I believe would go a long way to turning around the lunacy that we keep seeing and witnessing, and it's been ongoing now for decades. It's been ongoing for decades, but truth be known, it's these very same issues that got President Trump elected. So all that we need to do as Americans is that we insist that when we have a debate with someone else, that the language be objective and fair and consistent you'd be amazed at what we could accomplish. You really would. But I would love for you to go and and, and check out my website. It's michaelcutler.net. I really want you to read the article that's in Front Page Magazine about Trump, animals, and MS-13. Because I've laid it out in a way that I hope makes sense to you. And if it does, I have a request. I want you to be part of my Bucket Brigade of Truth and forward that article to as many people as you can whether it's by email, whether it's by Facebook, whether it's by other social media, we need to get the word out. Nancy Pelosi showed her cards. She showed us who she really is and what she really stands for. Not very pretty. Not very pretty. And I'm not just singling Nancy Pelosi out, but this was so egregious, folks, so egregious, 
so beyond the pale that I think that, as the, the movie said, you know, a bridge too far. This is really a stretch. The statements that she made, her supposed so righteous indignation, how dare the president say this thing? these things? The president, in my judgment, was spot on. And I'm sure many of you share my belief about that. So let's make certain that when politicians play these games on us, that they hear from us swiftly and resoundingly that we are not going to accept that garbage any longer. We know it's not truthful, and they need to find a new way to make a living. That would go a long way to returning this democratic republic back to a government of the people, by the people, for the people. Until that happens, this country's headed towards an oligarchy. But again, we have the opportunity to turn it around. I hope it's something that we all do working together. Anyway, I thank you for joining me this evening. Um, Again, I apologize for the late start, but sometimes uh, we have to prioritize. I certainly did this, this evening. I hope whatever you do this weekend will be enjoyable for you and for your families. Uh, I will not be doing the program next week. Um, I have uh, family commitments that will uh, keep me otherwise occupied, but I do uh, plan to come back the following week. So uh, meanwhile, I wish all of you a good weekend. Please get involved. Please remember that democracy is not a spectator sport. And um, talk to your neighbors. Have that conversation. And uh, let's just remember that we can make all the difference if we're willing to try. Good night, everybody. See you in two weeks.